Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You but Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. It is Black History Month, people, and we've been celebrating black business owners, entrepreneurship, all sorts of great game you've been getting. And today we have a special show. Sean, why don't you tell us about our very special guest on today's episode? Bzzz. What's that? Buzzwords, bro. This is what this show is about. I decided to bring in my closest friends to gather up 100 years of business experience. Actually, it was actually 97, and then we included Karen, and that brought us to 100 years of experience. Business You're experience. generous. You are generous, my friend. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I give you a little umph. So, yeah, I figured there's a lot of words in the industry, a lot of things that happen in small business that people don't understand. And when Arlington and I actually go back and forth, we always have a different perspective. Who? Arlington? The, the ancient one, yes. Oh Lord, yeah. is he back? He Man, won't go away. He he's like that fly is? on the Come wall. Back. I'm trying to kill the fly, and I just can't catch this darn fly. And all he does is keep flying around and buzzing in my ear. He just won't go away. But yeah, he inspired us. He inspired he me. Me and goes, what do you think? He inspired <laughs> me to do this show, and I think it was interesting because you know, with our with our depth of experience, it's it. I think it'll be very key learnings for people to know, like what the true mean, what we think of when these when people say these certain words. <laughs> Did you bring any, any any other not better? I'm sorry, Arlington's a great guest. Did you bring any other guests? <laughs> well, he doesn't go anywhere wow. without his partner in crime. So I bought his lovely wife, Miss Miss Go Getter, clean the house, take care of him, scrub his toes, Jackie Forbes. He is so oh, awesome. <laughs> I brought her to the show. He's here. God is back. We're thinking. And I brought my lovely friend of 20 plus years, who always has my back, Miss Sarah Nurse. Oh, yes. Saren. Awesome. Aww. Hey, Saren. I'm so nice happy Saren. to be back, Sean. <laughs> well, Arlington wanted you back, to be quite honest with you. He was oh, like, bring thank her. you, Arlington. <laughs> Great episode last night. Bring her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Karen, you want, you want to get us started on this buzzword game we're playing today? Yeah. So, okay, guys, this is how the game works. It's a very simple game. Even Sean can understand it. What <laughs> <laughs> We throw out a buzzword, and this kind of buzzword is sort of small business, entrepreneurship, you know, crushing it in business oriented. And we're kind of going to bounce around and see what this word means to us. It's going to be all kind of depth of knowledge stuff, really interesting things. You know, if, if you have about two seconds of business experience and a word doesn't resonate with you, then you can skip it and go to the next word. No, no pressure whatsoever. But this should be kind of illuminating and let people drop some real gems about the stuff that they learned over the years with all of their deep, deep experience in business. So let's Let's kick it off with the first word. This is going to be, this is going to mean something to someone, and that is resilience. What do you guys think? I'll go first. 
Go so ahead, actually, it, it means a lot of things to me. It really, it's I think it's bouncing back from some sort of trauma, some sort of stress. And we all know that in business, we go through stress every day, whether it be issues with employees, whether it be trying to juggle, trying to get cash from somewhere that we don't have, trying to make a dollar out of, you know, 50 cents. And then in my case, you know, it's just being in a neighborhood that gentrified so quickly and had to figure out my way through it. So there are all these different definitions of, of resilience. To me, I think it's really about adapting. So making sure that you're adaptive in your business model and you're able to take advantage of opportunities as they come your way. But my question to everyone is, does it have to be adapting? Or can you be just there and just be able to withstand trauma? Is that resilience? Well, you're so nice with the word resilience, Saren, because what I would say, to me, resilience means what the f because there's i'm not just saying for months for years you're questioning yourself what am i doing here why am i working for less than minimum wage why am i not making money certain months when uh, why am i fighting this battle when i can just send out my resume and get a regular job and have weekends off and it's just that resilience to say you know what i'm going to keep pushing and not even knowing if I'm ever going to even break even or make money. Well, I think there's <laughs> another aspect of resilience that's it's like flexibility. Mm. And Arlington and I have always thought like as a small business, based on what's happening in the market, we can turn the ship quicker than the bigger, bigger box stores or other bigger corporate businesses where they have to push paper in order to turn the ship. So if we see something happening in our backyard, we're like, okay, we need to respond to the market. We need to turn the ship and basically shift our focus or have a flexibility or change our change the way we look in terms of our business or what we're offering, and we can do it quicker. Come on, Jackie, um, that ship never felt like the Titanic? Yeah, but the Titanic, we're not a Titanic. We're one of the small lifeboats off the Titanic. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Small business, you can be that Whoa. small boat where you can save yourself because you're not that big that it's yeah. too hard to respond to the market. For, for me, I, I'll chime in on this word too. I know we're not going to chime in on every word, but resilience, when I think of this, um, me working in television production or content production over the years, there's drastic shifts that have happened, over, especially over the past 20, 25 years where you know the internet has kind of taken up and gobbled up a lot of the industry and caused everyone to have to shift. So it's, uh, it, it, it makes me think of like a boxer in a fight and you might be a few rounds you're getting pummeled or, or you're in a sports uh, an event where you're losing some rounds or some games but you got you have to stay in it being able to stay in the fight and you know stay on your feet take the punch and keep going and then eventually you have to adapt and find your lane and see okay I'm understanding this shift I'm understanding what's going on and now I can see how I can use my skill set or my connections my contacts mm -hmm. and keep thriving or try to you know carve a new path that maybe I didn't see coming until the blow was hit. But it, being able to withstand the blow and keep moving is, is what that word makes me think about for business. And I'm just, I'm going to add like my literal two cents, which is just in my- you got three years, Karen. In my, I mean, in my about 2.5 seconds of actually being in business instead of just treating art like art, um, I'll say this, that I have seen with my own two eyes over and over and over again, the way that resilience can outwork work sometimes and like outwork talent. Like I've seen people in comedy who are so talented, like funnier than me, you know, more naturally talented, just stop doing it because it's stressful and it's hard and it's weird and you don't know what the path is. There's not a clear path and it's kind of thankless and you might never get there and that's the truth. And I've seen people who just stuck it out and the truth is that sticking it out will get you somewhere guaranteed and that not being resilient will not and that is a guarantee are you going to get where you want to go ultimately maybe maybe not but i've seen people just stay just be present and do something that's big yeah. there's a, a, a sports analogy it doesn't fully apply here but they say like for athletes like some guys who get hurt all the time they talk about the guy who doesn't get hurt available if you're available availability is the best ability if you're able to play like i need someone in the game i can't put the guy who's hurt i can't put the guy who quit i gotta you know put the guy in the game who's there who's available and just like you said karen being able to stick it out and stay in yeah that's big and and seeing the opportunities when they come i think you know that if you're there you'll get you'll see it coming yeah you guys crushed it knocked it out of the park Let's talk about another little buzzword that I'm, I guarantee is going to resonate with this group in particular, and that's luck. 
(laughs) (laughs) Honestly, people people talk about luck all the time. Like, you know, as though, do first of all, do you think it's something that you can control? Is it something that you make? And how much does it actually matter? I think I'll jump in first on this one. I think luck is something that inevitably happens as you start to go through life and especially in the life of your business. You'll you need a little luck to be able to move on and move through and grow. But I also think real luck is being prepared so that when the opportunity presents itself that you're able to capitalize. Because a lot of oftentimes people a lucky option might come your way, but if you haven't prepared for it, you can't capitalize on it. So I think we all need a little bit of luck to keep it to keep going. But it's about doing that hard work and being prepared. And when that what is what do they say? Luck is when hard work meets opportunity. Right. right. And I, and I believe in that firmly. I have I have a quick little story. Um, it was in 2008 around the recession. And yeah, you say what you do. Oh, so I'm a gallerist. I have an art gallery, Jack Forbes Gallery. I'm a gallerist, curator, and art advisor and cure and dealer. So, but back in 2008, <clears throat> and um, I also helped design the Canvas Malibu line for women. Um, but back in 2008, we were experiencing all of the problems from the recession, and it was it was a really hard time. And we were like, well, we got to get some money. We gotta, we gotta find some money. So we were gonna get this loan and it was like, it was definitely, it was like, what do they call them? It was like a loan shark loan. It was from a regular company, but it was like 25% interest or like 30% interest on this loan. And we were like, you know, well, you know, we didn't wanna do it. We're gonna do it. No, we're not gonna do it. And then we we're like, our, our ass is up against the wall. We gotta do it. So we were like, okay, send the papers. And it was literally a Sunday night. And they sent, they FedExed me the paper because they knew it was a good deal. If they could get me for 30% on this loan, they're like, get them to sign the paper. So they sent me the papers on Saturday. They said, send them back to them first thing Monday morning, FedEx them back to them, and we would have the loan. So I was like, Arlington, this just doesn't feel right, but we need the money. My friend who is a banker in New York, she was like, you just got to get the money where you got to get the money at this point. So our friend comes in. He was like, I've got this celebrity. He's coming to dinner. He's going to have dinner across the way. Just stay open. And he might come in, you know, and buy some stuff. So we were like staying open. And it was like we closed at maybe five and we stayed open until six. And then we were waiting around to seven. Arlington, you can correct me if I'm wrong in the story. I'm going to get to the point. But anyway, so he's like, I'm like, he's not coming. And Arlington's like, yeah, maybe we should. I was like, well, no, let's just keep, let's just hang out for a little bit. So (laughs) the guy comes with the celebrity, right? He buys at least the amount of the loan, at least $20,000 worth of art. So we didn't have to get the loan and then some. And so that was a situation where I feel like it was luck, blessed, Mm -hmm. and everything and and being ready because we had we had the artwork to sell we knew about the art we could tell the story and it was just one of the most amazing situations that happened to us well first of all i sean linda does not believe in luck one of the first thing i hate people say to me if you want to turn me off you don't want to hang out with me you don't want to play basketball with you you don't want to hang out with me you don't want to go on a date with me don't come and tell me it's your first opening line to get my attention is that you're so lucky I don't believe in that. I think, you know, most people, it has an opportunity in life to do as they want to pivot. But like Arlington said earlier, and I think what Jackie is alluding to, too, they're just not ready or they're not willing to put in the work to get that opportunity. We all have a chance to do what we want and how we want to do, but it's being prepared. I've seen so many people when they have a great opportunity that presents their way, they're scared to do it. They, They spent their money in the past where they don't have the resources to do it they messed up certain things and they're they're not in a position to take advantage of the opportunity that's presenting them and i think if you make sure that you're available and ready to do something then you don't need luck but like how they say you miss every shot you don't take it's like i think luck can also be kind of i think sean you're you're kind of putting it in the real literal like i agree kind of how you're framing it but I, i also can see the other side of it is like if you if you put forth motion if you get off your couch and decide to do stuff 
whether it's starting your business or just going out and looking for like if you when you put out that action you're going to run into these opportunities that would not have happened if you just sat there. So some might say, oh, you." because one of my first jobs in, in television production, I left working at Bank of America and just took this job as, as a, a runner, that my job was to run errands for a production company. Little did I know that this company- You still looking for work, Matt? You still looking? I, I mean, I. I'll go offline. I can running somewhere for me, bro. You wait till I got you. I'll, I'll hit you up after the show, but- um. But no, I took this job as a runner and little did I know, I was a bill collector at Bank of America, quit that, took the job as a runner. And I met the CEO of the company and she asked me, what do you want to do or what do you want to, what's your goal? I said, I just want to be your best runner. And then hopefully, you know, basically I knew I just wanted to kill it in this job so I can move up. But what I didn't know is very shortly after I got there, this company was going to start doing a bunch of R&B and hip hop content <laughs> and had no one that worked there that was into R&B and hip hop. And all of a sudden they just fast tracked me into all of this opportunity. Like I get like saying lucky, but I get what you're saying, Sean, basically the opportunity happened. Mm -hmm. You, you put yourself in position by being active and opportunities come your way. But I understand when people, the luck word can have, can rub you wrong. I get it. Magical. And like, it's not, it's, it's not necessarily magic, but sometimes it's like this invisible algorithm don't always see working in your life. You know what I mean? Like you've built up this capital over years. You've made the right connections. You smiled at the right person and all that stuff aggregates in a way you don't necessarily see. And then something happens and it feels like it's out of nowhere, but you, you did it. You just, you're not always privy to the way that the math of life kind of works mm. out for you. Well, I agree with what Matt was saying. Like when you put an energy into the universe and you put motion behind that energy, that energy will start to ripple through and it will circle back to you. And I think that's, that's when we say, can we control luck? Yeah, in a way you can, because if you, people do vision boards and they do all this kind of like forethought into where they wanna be in. And sometimes they're so far from that thing at the, at the time when they're doing that, that it seems like it would, it would just, it would require luck to make this possible. But the fact is they're putting the energy out into the universe and the universe hears that and then it responds. And if you're prepared and ready to go, then you can you can capitalize on that opportunity. Right. right. So I actually have I have a story also. So it was around like, like Jack is around 2009. So I was sitting in my store in Fort Greene. And I answered the phone rang. I answered the phone and the person asked to speak to the owner. Now, I never say that I'm the owner because I always <laughs> have telemarketers calling me. For some reason that day, I was like, this is the owner. The person said to me, I have an opportunity for you. I own a space in Williamsburg. It's a huge residential uh, building and we own the commercial condo. There are tons of dogs in this building. Would you be interested in having a space in this building? And on top of it, we're going to invest in you. This person, I had no idea who this person was. I'm like, you know, is, you know, is this a trick? What's going on here? And he was like, you know, can we meet? So I was like, okay, I'll meet with you. Met with him, negotiated for six months. And that ended up being my largest store. Wow. So what was that? A blessing. <laughs> what was that? Was that not luck? Because I never, so the first thing is that I never answer, I don't answer the phone. I don't say I'm the owner. And I actually listened to what this guy was saying to me. He had a crush on you. <laughs> My question is, were you thinking of expansion? I was not at all at that time. But to, to, to your guy's point, I think the reason he called me was because I had had three stores at a time. So I think when he looked to see exactly who he could put in that building, there weren't that many businesses that had multiple locations. So the fact I had built this brand, I go. think he that was why question. he called it was me. Not, you're right. It wasn't coincidence. It wasn't by coincidence. But the look was the fact that I actually answered the phone and said, I'm the owner. Because had he called and someone else answered the phone, 
and they took the message. I'd be like, this is this is ridiculous. I'm sure nobody's calling to invest in me just like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of bringing it back to the business, investing in people, here's one more word. I mean, this I've been on the I've been on the small end of this, <laughs> but you guys have probably been on the hiring end of this, and that is staff. How do we feel about staff? Are you a do-it-alone person? Yeah. Do delegate? <laughs> What's it, is it hard to get good help? What's going on? Oh my god! You just you just punched oh me, you just punched me in the stomach. Oh my god! You punched me in the stomach and slapped me in the face at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I don't even know where to start. Bad. I'll let you guys start first. Staff, staff, staff. I have an easy one. Where do we go, staff. guys? I have an easy one with staff, and it took me thirteen years to get here, and I took it from Gary Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk, I think his name Gary V. Hire fast, fire faster. <laughs> I'm going to hire you and give you the opportunity to excel and be amazing. And if you don't seize that opportunity, you're out of here. Good. That's and that has eased my life when it comes to staff. But that's after many years of holding on. 13 years. That's the point of holding on. Yeah. <laughs> Trying Why to turn bad staff that into good staff. Is that out of like affection for someone or feeling guilty? Yeah. Or you small business. Yeah, you start to gain relationships with your staff. And I think sometimes it's like you always think it's going to get better, and it it's it's like you you you're in you know what is it called the Truman Show? You're like every day, like Groundhog's Day, and it's like why do I keep telling myself it's going to get better when it is what it is? Mm-hmm. And like Arlington, and I'm not going to of course names I'll name nameless, but he literally fired someone recently and said, "I'm doing you a favor." And I'm sure she was like, mm, no, you're not. But he was because she you can tell her tell tell the story, Arlington. Ooh, it's gonna be a lot of stories tonight, huh? Um, <laughs> Make it quick. Make it quick. Basically, it was it was just simple. Like I started to to read the tea leaves. Like Jack said, I wasn't I started to detach myself from my staff. It's like either you're doing the job, you want to do the job, you're doing the job, and we're moving forward or that's not happening and you have to leave. So there was this woman that came to work for us. And whenever I would talk to her, she would talk about how much she loved horses. And she worked at a stable in Malibu part-time and she was making like horse cookies, but she was giving them away for free. And everyone was saying, you know, it was always horse, horse, horse. And we have an art gallery. We don't have any horses. Concept. We don't have any horses. And she wasn't really picking up on our systems uh, as quickly as I thought. And, you know, she wasn't, she just wasn't doing well. So one day I just said, you know, this has to, she was horsing around. Wow, the (laughs) level of humor (laughs) on this show is just all time high. (laughs) Um, So I just said to her, you know what? I said to myself, like, she's got to go. That's it. She's got to go. So I just sat her down and I said, you know, I'm going to do you a favor. You need to, I'm going to let you go from here. But my advice to you is go chase your dream of working with horses. So I bump into this lady literally maybe three or four weeks ago. She is working full time at a stable and she started her horse cookie business and is going to horse trade shows and selling her cookies. And she had this giant smile on her face. She's like, I am so happy you really did do me a favor. And I was like, you're doing what you're meant to do. Well, this yeah. just goes right to my point, what I wanted to say. And I want everybody that's thinking about that, these young listeners that are becoming entrepreneurs and are hiring staff to understand this one thing, and it'll probably guide and help you. No matter how much you think you've hired the right person, the perfect person, and how much you think they love their job and they're so happy, nobody you hire will love their job more than you. Okay? They're not going to love it the way you want them to love it and how you want them to love it, the way you will love it as the owner. And sometimes we get we get misled by thinking that this person is so gung-ho. But 9.9 out of 10 times for them, it's just a job. And you have to really understand that principle and mindset that it's just a job. And like Arlington says, when you feel the fit is not right, and I have this problem myself, knowing when to let them go. Because after a while, they bec- 
they just start to decline and not add value to your business anymore. And you'll hang on to somebody that's very disgruntled. Why don't you let them go, Sean? Let's talk about that. Why don't you let them go? Absolutely. You know, it's a good question. You get an emotional attachment. Sometimes, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to hurt somebody. You know, they got other responsibilities, but you know, they're not doing you, they're doing you a disservice. And I agree with you. That's one part of it. What's the other part? I don't know, but you're going to tell me, I guess. I think the part is, you know, Darren, what's the other part? Retraining. Someone say it. Come on. Someone else. Yes. What else? You know, of retraining someone else. Yes. And what in else? the meantime, especially for me, I have to, I have to then be there if yes. I don't have anyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. But, you know, it's, it's my time. Yeah, you're right. That's what you it know, is. I don't want to be there. The training part of directly. Yep. The direct effect of like, now I have to adjust my schedule Mm -hmm. to compensate for the person that I'm going to let go. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, for many years, I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to have to change my schedule. We were planning a vacation. Mm -hmm. This was happening. That was happening. And you keep this person who's not not in your best interest. We went on vacation. Here's the crazy thing. I'll tell you the story. We went on vacation. And a guy that was working for us had put in his notice that upon our return, he was leaving. (laughs) (laughs) When you guys get back from, enjoy yourself, I'm out. (laughs) Just sit tight till we get back. I guess you enjoyed the rest of your vacation on that one, right? Yeah, like I I wasn't worried that he was going to steal anything or anything like that. But the reality is like, in today's era, when someone comes to me, in 2021 and says, hey, Arlington, um, you know, I'd like to put in my two weeks notice. Um, you know, I'm packing it in. I'm like, listen, man, we'll call it a day today. I appreciate your service and everything. You, I don't play that game anymore. I'm like, when you say you're out, you're out. Mm-hmm. Because if I can't over those out. two weeks, you're already out. But I'm just paying you to, to walk around in spirit. <laughs> because that's what it is you're already thinking about your next job you're thinking about the next gig you're thinking about how this sucks and also have you ever noticed that have Saren have you had this problem or Sean they poison the well mm, that's they poison so true the well. that's they're talking so about how great life is going to be once they leave your job <laughs> try to poison they everybody else yeah yeah it's true it's true you know but the flip side to that for, and what i for me is that so i groom in my business and mm-hmm. i never intended to be a groomer but it's been so hard to find groomers over the years that i've had to become a full-time groomer oh, and wow. the issue and the challenge with that has been that when I have tried to pursue growth, I've always gotten pulled back because I never find a group and I have to spread myself so thin. And that's yeah. really affected me in terms of my group. And I'll just say, I'll just end it on this too when it comes to staff. Like the worst kind of, you'll keep a person there that like, even though they're working for you, you still feel like you're at your job because they're calling for every damn thing, every mm-hmm. little thing. So it's simply like, I might as well be there. What's the point? Like, mm-hmm. Sean, it's raining outside. Should I should I close the windows? <laughs> Sean, you know, water spilled. Should I mop? Like, those kind of <laughs> like, And, like, like it, it, the point is, like, why am I hiring this person? And then they want to go further. Like, one day I'd like to be part of this business. What, so you're going to annoy me even more? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Staffing staffing's tough, and I think it really is about learning to let them go. Move on. And eventually, you will find the person that really wants to be in your store, that person that's really engaged. There are people, every business out there, there's a person who really wants to learn from you, participate in that business, and show show their skill. And you just got to f- go through 100 people to get to that one person. If that's but every staff member has a shelf life. I think people need to understand that. It's cold yeah. down, they all have a shelf life. That's what I was going to say. Staff isn't forever. You should... Like when you're hiring people, know that they want to grow and they, they have their dreams. So like, but they could be a great employee or a great staff member for a season, for a year, two, three. But if you're like married to them, like, oh, I, you know, you can't hold on too tight. You got to let them hope grow them in their role. And then they're probably, you know, the shelf. There are people that have worked in stores for, there are people that have worked at small businesses for 10 years, 20 years. Those are called yeah. unicorns. I, I just don't think that, as an employer, I, I'm not going to assume that I'm hiring the person who's going to work with me forever. 
Well, it's like dating. You know, you don't go on a first date assuming you're going to marry the person and be together forever. The point is to get to that person, see if it works out, learn something, get leapfrog to the next person, and you know, have a little point of your dating. That's the point of your dating. Listen, this is sound like a therapist call. We need to go to the next word. Okay. Also, one. I have one follow-up question about about the staff. What about hiring friends and family? What are your thoughts on Ooh. that? <laughs> I mean, hey, I don't know. Now you want to kick me in the ass. Now you want to kick me in the ass. Yeah, that, that's dangerous. No. <laughs> well, I'll tell you about just collaborating. It's going to lead us into the next word, but collaborating with friends, even living with friends, is the number one best possible way to ruin that relationship. <laughs> I've fallen out with friends that I, listen, we're talking a small potatoes business, like a podcast that made a little bit of money a year. And that relationship took years to recover because once you start mixing business with things that are not business, with things that are kind of unconditional, it, it, it puts a conditionality onto it. That's a lot, in my experience, it's been toxic. I would say proceed with caution. Sometimes it can work. But, but one other point though, like you mentioned restaurants, Arlington, like our certain businesses, I think, you may find a, a chance for a long-term thing. Other, like my yeah. business, you're not going to hire some PA who's going to be your lifelong assistant, who's going to, you know, the run. Like people don't come into this business wanting to be your apprentice for the for life. You, right. you train them to leave. You train them to leave, and then or, or move up. So it depends on your business. Well, speaking yeah, of sure. up, this segs perfectly into our next word, which is partnership. So you guys preach on that. I am a kind of a go-it-alone person, except when I'm dating somebody. <laughs> Comedy is very solitary. <laughs> I don't have, I don't work with a partner like that. I work with people, but not, I don't work with a partner. So my, my understanding of partnership is really relationshipy. but what do you guys think? What is partnership in business? Let, let me set this one off. Now, like I just do the math behind it. The cost of a partner, like some partners want to come in like with like, Oh, I have all this. I have a partner, you know, he lives in California. But for years, I'd tell him about the good ideas. And he always wants to come with this. I have social, I have, um, what's the equity call? I have, um, what's it, where they, they don't want to bring sweat any equity. money. Oh, they, sweat equity. They have sweat, sweat equity. equity. Oh sweat my equity. God, take that word out of the dictionary. Sweat equity. What does that mean? Like, I'm not coming with no money, but I'm going to just talk my way into this partnership. If there's not true added value, and meaning not, not because they're nice, they make it like, like, for example, I love Arlington Forbes to death. I'll tell the world that. But would I partner with Arlington on a business? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because the question I mean, is, would Arlington partner? partner. With you? Exactly, <laughs> because of our personalities. So you have to really look at people that you're really gonna, you know, either they're, they're your good friends. Could you really work with this person on a day to day? Arlington would drive me nuts on a day to day, and I would drive him nuts on a day to day. So it's really about understanding, like they, there has to be true added value, and not this sweat equity deal that people like to throw around. Unless they, unless there's somebody that has a wealth of business experience, then yeah, you can leverage that. But I would say partnerships is a really tough proposition, and I just do the math. If it's cost me more for you to be my partner versus just going to get a loan or getting the bank to or getting someone to invest in me, then um, I'm good. I don't want to report to somebody every day to, to annoy me. I think in some industries, I think the sweat equity term is also going to be an industry by industry type thing. Because there's some industries where you are the talent, you're writing the songs or you're producing the beats or you're writing the script or you're do if your work is is what we're going to sell, then maybe your sweat equity has extreme value. But in other industries, I could see how that would be an annoyance if, if all I'm selling, oh, I, I, I'll, I'll work, but I'm not really bringing anything. But it, it, it depends on the industry. I agree with you, Matt, but I think what often happens is that people overvalue their sweat equity. That's what it is. Like a guy might have, he's like, oh, I read a bunch of Matt, I, I, I listened to a bunch of Jay-Z, so let's start a label, but I'm going to put up no money, but I have listened to all of Jay-Z's albums, so my sweat equity is valued against your $50,000. You know what I mean? They right. But, but if you're Dr. Dre, if you're Dr. Yeah. Dre making the beats and, and Easy E's putting up the bread, then that's a different exactly. kind of. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think if, also, if, you, if you can find a partner that's like a true partner that's just as invested as you and bringing just as much as you, that I don't know what would be more valuable than that. Like I know in comedy, you know, it's really, really solitary, but there are some people who have been like a duo 
and achieved a lot of success, but it's definitely, definitely the exception and not the rule. And I've tried it and fail every single time I've really tried to partner with someone. It just hasn't worked out. We're not on the same page. You have to be so in sync, so on point, have the same kind of brand. And I mm -hmm. think that, that is that would be the most valuable thing ever. It just doesn't happen that much. In comedy, don't you have writing partners? Well, it's hard, you know, writing, here's the thing, I'll let you in on a secret. That would be the partnership. Writing in comedy just means talking about nothing. <laughs> you know, I think people would be like, com comics blow themselves up, like, oh, I'm gonna sit down to write now. Really, it just means having a conversation with your friend and when you say something funny, you write it down and come back to it later and turn it into a joke or work it out on stage in some way or work it into a podcast or try it out. You know, people are like, tell me a joke. I'm like, I've been telling you my jokes. I just don't announce it, you know? I like, I try all my stuff out on everybody. But yeah, you have writing partners that are just there to kind of shoot, shoot it with and and you know the the real writing partner that sits down and like critiques your work with you and gives you lines and stuff that kind of professional level of like writing partnership that's mm -hmm. that's not really like a casual thing so much that people do you see that in like a writer's room mm -hmm. you know because that's that's hard to come by but I wonder if you know if you have to have a certain personality to be able to be good at partnerships right are you good at Sarah yeah, <laughs> I you know, know your history you can't play as that. And this is why I'm saying because I'm an only child and I have tried partnerships twice. <laughs> and one ended in like a horrible divorce. <laughs> the other one ended in the end of a friendship. Yeah. So I'm just, and I think it's just, and I think it's me, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna own up to my to my to my issues, right? I think I went they, I think it was my me. partners off. Yeah, I went above to pay my partners off. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I don't have the you know the personality for partnership. And I, yeah. you know, you have to be really in sync, and you have to have the same goals. And I think mm -hmm. realizing that your friend doesn't necessarily make a good partner. What about partnering with a spouse, Arlington Jack? Yeah, right. talk about it, Arlington Jack. You guys have a successful partnership, but like I can never do what you guys do. Most couple, what what's your key? Because yeah, you're not married. Yeah, no, but what, what, just talk, okay, fine. Can, what is your, just give me the keys to your, because how you guys are like a spouse partnership for 20 plus years, however long it's been since, since, since God, you and Jesus were partners and you left Jesus for Jackie. Tell me how you like, this partnership has lasted so many years. And what, I'm so much better. Jesus, I love Jesus. Huh? I'm so much better partner than Jesus for sure. <laughs> Wow. Drop some gems. Come on. What is the secret? How do you guys do it? Uh, you go first. Uh oh, you better say it right too, Arlington. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we have funny enough, we have the same form format or formula that happens. New idea is presented. We mull it over. We say, okay, we're gonna do it. Then the battle begins for leadership. <laughs> who's gonna play what position? Who's driving the bus? Who's the passenger? And that is usually a knockdown drag out that can proceed for several days. <laughs> and once it settles down, then we know our roles. And once the roles are defined, then we're able to move forward. Because at the end of the day, the great thing about our partnership is no one wants me to get a W more than Jack, and no one wants Jack to get a W more than me. So at the end of the day, she she doesn't have to question my loyalties. I'm not doing I'm not doing side deals. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh yeah, Jack, don't do that deal. And I'm doing a side deal with the it's 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 it's, it's one W and it's one team. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we're all competitive. We're, we're competitive, and I think that's what helps our business, moving our business forward, that we are very strong in trying to succeed um, at whatever part of the business we're doing. But I think he's right. Like, I don't trust anybody more than I trust Arlington, other than Jesus. Yes, that's so beautiful. I'm seething with jealousy. Wait, <laughs> 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 I had a question for you guys. Do you consider your vendors your partners? Hmm. Because no, when I, I think of partnership in 2021, especially for our business, after all the upheavals of 2008, then followed by COVID, yeah. it started to seep in that, listen, if, if a vendor or a supplier or a contractor didn't have my business best interest at heart, then I dumped them. Yeah. yeah. I just dumped them. So I just vendors wonder, do you guys look at your vendors, suppliers, contractors as partners? Vendors are side chicks that can be cut off at any time. 
<laughs> that's, a, that's a good analogy there, right? They're <laughs> uh, not performing anymore. Uh, cut this. They, when they're not their side chick, because one minute they can be real cool with you, lovey dovey. Let's go travel the world. Let's be the friend. Next minute, I want more. I can't give you this. You can't get that. Why can't I get more? Why can't that's I get more? Where are your numbers? You gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Is there no vendor that's vital to your business? Absolutely I don't let them know. Yes. I don't let them, but I don't let them know. You can't let them know that. Can't let the site. Excuse me. You can't let the vendor know that. I think it, 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 it's, there, there, there's a perspective. There's a perspective that you you gain, like when you get burned from a, a vendor, where it's like, okay, like I, I, for me, like I was acting as if it was a partnership, and then when things when the shit hit the fan and, and I ended up losing a lot of money and, and they were real silent and didn't seem to care, then it's like, okay, I need to view this differently and, you know, protect yourself. But you can still, I think, treat your best vendors and your best business partners, you know, like you, you want to build those relationships and cultivate it. But at the end of the day, you're, they're not, you're not married. They're, 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 these are they're the side chick, Matt. Just say it. Come on, Matt. I know the wife's not listening. Say it, Matt. Side chick. There you go. Thank you. If that makes okay. you happy. Well, I would say okay. to that. If the vendors to the what about the uh, if you're renting from a from a person, it's a landlord. Is that person your partner? In my opinion, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. I think vendors are partners. I think land. I think all the people that part, play a role in your business being a business is a partner. Mm -hmm. I guess and how do you define partner? Because well, it's like okay, I mean, not an equity partner. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a partnership. You have a partnership with that entity, mm -hmm. right? If your landlord doesn't understand that you're going through financial struggles, mm -hmm. financial challenges as a result of COVID, then he's not partnered with you. He's just trying to get his and whatever happens to you happen. If the person that supplies Saren with grooming products, they don't, they don't understand she needs an extension on her invoice because sales, grooming sales may be slower as a result of COVID, then they're not part, they're not in partnership with her. They're just trying to get there. So I think that I've learned over these last 14 years that if we're not in this together, then I'll go it alone without you. And I'm only going to play with the people that really want to play with me. So they're going to say, hey, Canvas is important to us. And we know you're, what you're going through because we're going through it at the same time. And they're going to extend our invoice. Like that's how we got rid, well, I won't say this brand, but there was a major brand that when the first downturn happened, they were like, you guys need to double your orders. We were like, what? What, what are you talking about? We're in a recession. How are we going to double orders? But they were applying the downward pressure from their loss of sales. Hmm. And that's when I realized, like, you're not in a, you're not a partner. We're not in a partnership. This is just a, a you're, you're using me, essentially. Side chick. Yeah, I, I was the side chick. At the end of the day, they should want to see you succeed if they're a partner. Like you're investing. You succeed. If you're in a partnership, if you're in a equitable partner, it's a partnership. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're trying to keep your business alive. Well, yeah. Success and keeping businesses alive, guys. Let's talk about this. Ready? This is going to be. This is a. It's a moving parts one. Let's talk about gross. Versus profit versus cash. Yeah, this is like one I thought was great because it's like a misconception and people starting off and getting to new business, like kind of merge these three words together. So I kind of wanted to break them up and kind of like, what does it mean to us? And, you know, I'll let, I'll let you leave there and go ahead. What does it mean? Okay, so what, what does gross mean? So gross means your, so gross is your, your revenues, right? So gross is your sales. It's whatever you have coming in. Profit is your bottom line. So profit is your revenues minus your expenses. And then cash, pretty much your revenues can be in the form of credit card sales. It can be in the form of cash. So I guess that's, but the major thing is that I think what people have this misconception about is that revenues equals profit. Hmm. So especially people look at small businesses and think, oh my God, they're making so much money, especially employees. They look and they yep. say, oh my God, you guys are rolling in the dough. Do you know what my expenses are though? Do you know how much I'm paying in rent? Do you know how much my payroll is? Because there are tons of businesses that are making a lot in terms of revenues, but their bottom lines are really terrible. Yeah. And similarly, there are businesses that may not be doing as great in terms of revenue, but because their overheads are so low, they are more profitable. So, yeah. Which would you rather be? Which would you rather be, Saren? Me doing it all, me doing it over? 
lower overheads. I'd rather have a lower overhead that because that's less stress to me. For sure. Agreed. And it's a funny thing when you say that, Sarah, because a lot of our people, a lot of my friends, I want to open up a restaurant. And I'm like, do you know the overhead involved in a restaurant? You gotta buy napkins, you gotta pay for laundry, tablecloths, you gotta and all these staff. things that I think people don't think about, like they have like health department licensing and all that other stuff that is like unforeseen Silverware, glasses. And you open a business and it's like I'm just going to pay for the staff paper, but there's all this other stuff that eats at that profit. Exactly. And my I friend had to move down in a restaurant because of he owed the IRS on sales tax because every time he charged somebody charges a meal, there's an eight percent tax that you're supposed to collect for the government. And the month, you, you, you know, realize you owe them a hundred thousand dollars in sales exactly. tax, and you've spent all that money on staff, and the, and the yeah. IRS is coming after you. They're like, "Yo, where's our money? We know it's eight percent here," and you're like. I had to buy aprons. I had to buy alcohol to pay for this license. It's like, yeah, and, and they'll shut you I down. It shut you down because you didn't pay the sales they tax. Shut you down because you didn't pay your sales tax. Yeah, I, think, I mean, um, yeah. I was having a conversation with a friend a, a couple days ago, and he's actually a private. He's a private chef and caterer, and he's talking about opening up a restaurant. So my question to him is why? And he's talking about opening up a restaurant in the meatpacking district. With oh, yeah. $60,000 $60, a, a month rent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm asking why. Well, and then we go back to that great partner you said, Arlington, the landlord, the $60,000 a month know, partner. Why right? do you That's want to do partner. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Personally, for our business, we also started to look at margins. Like, we're not doing business with vendors that we can't get a good enough margin out of because then we're just like, we start working for our vendors. You know, you start working mm -hmm. to pay your vendors if there's no upside between what you buy, what you purchase to sell. So mm -hmm. I think that's something that I think people don't look at how they're going to make that profit. How much, how much, how much space do they have between what they're selling and what they're actually taking in as revenue and how they can well, adjust that or play with that. I have two comments, one for Jack and one for Sam. Jack, I agree with you. Small businesses oftentimes don't pay enough attention to the margins to see exactly how profitable or not they actually are. Because most people, a small business, because it's like Saren said the other day, it's not an asset until you can sell it. So what it is is an ongoing concern. And that ongoing concern can pay your bills and you could eat dinner here and there and pay your car note and this and that and that. But 35 years later, like the example you gave in the previous show, you shut up the shop and you got $10 in the bank because now the ongoing concern is no longer going and you were never actually profitable during the biz the life cycle of that business. So you start to realize that, listen, your, your gross isn't relevant. If you gross a million dollars and you, your expenses are a million five, you made nothing. If you gross a million dollars and your expenses were 990, you only made 10 grand. But if you sold $300,000 and your expenses were only 100,000, that's a much better business. And I think yeah. people confuse gross with profit as Sarah was saying. Great point, Arlington. And on that note, we're talking about profits. Well, it's time for us to take a commercial break, a sponsor break. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Two Black Guys with Good Credit and this entrepreneur buzzword roundtable discussion. Keep it locked. Hey, Matt and Sean, beard check. Me? I think you're talking to Matt. My beard is flawless, Karen. And I'm an athlete. And with the athlete that I am, I keep a flawless beard all the time. If by flawless you mean patchy, Sean, then maybe you're right. But I think this is a cry out for help for you. Don't worry. We got you, Sean. How can you possibly, Matt, improve perfection? <clears throat> well, Sean, Matt and I have something we want to tell you. Have you ever heard of Uncle Jimmy? Uncle Jimmy? That's right, Uncle Jimmy. It's a complete line of all-natural men's grooming products with incredible ingredients and no harmful chemicals. That'll tighten up any beard game like you wouldn't believe. But I'm already... Listen, Sean, all I'm saying is chicks really dig a man with a soft-smelling, awesome, gorgeous, perfectly groomed, nourished beard. Okay, okay, you got me, Karen. What's in these magical products? It's not magic, Sean. It's just some dope-ass ingredients like black seed oil, 
to repair skin and prevent ingrown hairs and acne. There's also honey to moisturize the skin and hair and aloe vera to nourish and strengthen for that next level beardy shine. All right, you got me. I'm listening. I'm the veganish man that I am. These ingredients sound wonderful. Keep going. Well, Uncle Jimmy's brand new extra curl kicker, moisturizing shave cream and smooth glide shave gel are a perfect place for you to start. You can find them at Rite Aid, Target, Sally's Beauty Supply and online at UncleJimmyProducts.com. Yes, that means even an old, no, I'm sorry, an experienced boomer like you can do it. <laughs> All right, guys, I don't say this too often, but thanks, man. I really mean it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You guys are the best. I'm, I can't wait to go to UncleJimmyProducts.com and hook myself up. That's right. You can even use code BGGC for Black Guys Good Credit for 30% off on your entire order. Just go to UncleJimmyProducts.com and use code BGGC for 30% off. Yes, I cannot wait. Looking forward to the new, shiny, smooth, sweet-smelling, moisturized, way better Sean. I'm there, Karen. I'm coming to blow it up, hook it up with my new products and my new-looking, wonderful beard. UncleJimmyProducts.com. Let's get it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Black guys. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Joining us today is a group of entrepreneurs and personal friends of ours, successful entrepreneurs, and we're throwing out some buzzwords and terms and, and getting everyone's opinion uh, from their own personal vantage point and expertise on these terms. So let's let's jump back into it. Jump back into the buzzwords. Karen, why don't you start us back off? So you put all this work in, right? You've like put in your blood, sweat, and tears. You've hired people, fired people, some people like horses, some people not so much. So <laughs> Is that one of your planned jokes, Karen? You gotta use that on stage? Oh yeah, you guys on you. So now I told you my secret. I can't tell any jokes. Now you get how it works. Um, so okay, guys, let's talk about retirement. Is that the end goal? Is the end goal to sell the business, retire, make a tidy profit? Do you want to keep it going? Do you want somebody to take it over? Is this a family thing? What happens? What happens at the end of the day? I don't know the end game. That's the scariest part. Arlington and I debate this all the time. Our life has gone through such transitions where like that's part of a part of our conversation all the time. Like what is the end game? What is the out game? How do you exit? You know, my plan was always like, oh, my nephew, my kids get big. I'm going to pass it on to them. But I'm starting to realize the fact they may not want it. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, when do you cash in your coins and get out? And, you know, everybody, these young people reading text, oh, I'm just going to sell the business. Yeah, selling the business is great. But like Saren said, somebody has to want it. You know, somebody has to want it before you're going to sell it. And um, (laughs) I don't have a lot of answers on how to exit out of this, to be honest with you. Except, you know, I'm not even, I'm still trying to figure that out, to be quite frank. Saren, I feel like you have the answer. Yeah, I have a lot to say on this, right? So my end goal was, my goal right right now is actually to sell my business. So I don't know if you know this, Arlington, but I'm actually doing a PhD right now. Yeah. So I my plan is to go into academia. So I really want to leverage 
what I've done over the past, you know, two decades to really to help other people on their own entrepreneurial journeys. Mm -hmm. So that's been my plan. And my plan has been to transition my business over to one of my employees. Right. There are a couple issues there because the question is, you know, can, you know, can, can, can your employees really afford it? And the issue is that, you know, do you sell this business to someone who can pay you cash or to someone who can finance it, who wants to finance it? Right. The issue with having to finance it, you know, to sell it in a form of financing is that you still have this business. If they default, this comes, it comes back, back to you. you. Yeah. So you still have that stress of wondering, am I going to still, am I going to get my payment every month? So that, mm-hmm. I think that in itself, you know, is, is a stress. So there's that yeah. question, you know. What do you do with it? You know, how do you, you know, because the majority of people are going to want to possibly finance a business, but really are, do you, you know, do you not, do you still have the stress of wondering what's going to happen? And I think some people get to the point where they're just so tired that they're like, you know what, to hell with it. I'm just going to give out it out of up. Business sale. Going because, out of business you know, sale, right? I've reached a tipping point and I'm like, I'm just done. I'm just tired. I'm stressed out. Just let it go. But then on the flip side, I wonder too. You know, as entrepreneurs, we've been doing this for what, close to 20 years. Do we ever, are we ever going to stop being entrepreneurs? I'm unhirable. Yeah. Like, I can't, I was just telling my friend that. Like, <laughs> yes, I'm, you I'm, are. Facts. I can't sit in that meeting. I can't let middle manager Joe Schmoll. I'm only worth probably in the market. Maybe, maybe you pay me $50,000 a year and I got to still listen to some guy telling me what to do. I don't, I, I'm unhirable. I don't think I could be work for somebody. <laughs> Well, and I think when I you're have, an entrepreneur, you're always an entrepreneur. Exactly. I have a friend I who just sold a business. People. I have a friend who just sold a business, and he was like, oh, I'm going into retirement. And talk to him now. He's still working. I mean, he's supposed to be an executive board of the, of the company, but he's working harder now than <laughs> he was working before he sold the business. You know, so yeah, I don't I think that you ever... I really wonder if you ever stop being an entre- entrepreneur. Because, I mean, the definition of entrepreneur is looking for opportunities, right? And do we yes. ever stop looking for opportunities? No. And I think even if you were to take a job in corporate America, you'd be looking for an opportunity of how you could do it better, maybe as a smaller business. Of course. <laughs> we, we would be the worst employee. We'd be, be so critical of yeah. everything that we're seeing. We were yeah. like, you know what? This makes no sense. A part of me, like now that I've worked for myself for so many years, and I kind of understand. A part of me would love to go back and work in corporate America just for a year, just to have fun at the meetings. I'd have so much fun in those meetings. Like, what? What are you talking about? Nah, that's dumb. I, I, I would like, just let me work in corporate America for one year. I'd have so much fun with it. I, don't, I think with that attitude, you wouldn't make the year. So, <laughs> And I'd laugh. Hey, Mr. Linda, we're going to put you on probation here. You're going to fill up three months. I'm like, what? Probation? What? I would, I would be like laughing. I'd be like, why are you laughing? Because, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, right? No, you just leave this Saren, don't most well. The question was about retirement. Is it? Are we talking about self-retirement? Like, as an entrepreneur, what is our plan for retirement? Is that what you're saying? I don't think that we ever retire. This, this is what I'm thinking. I don't think that we ever retire as an entrepreneur. I think we're always looking as for, for opportunities, and I think we'll mm-hmm. find those opportunities. You know, like even you know, Sean talks about retirement, and, and yeah. Sean talks about financially clean as retirement. But that is that really retirement? Right. But are she asking, are we, is she asking as small business people, do we have 401ks? Do we have IRAs? Are we stocking money aside? Is that what you're asking? Or are you just asking, will I ever grab a newspaper and go sit under a tree? Right. So what's the plan? You know, you, you can't, you can, you know, ideally you could work as long as you wanted to work, but you can't work as long as you want to work. Eventually you're going to want to stop working. You're going to want to be older and, and, you know, like Sean. Out. So you have to have an but out. I question, working, right? I question that. I, I really question, do, are you going to want to stop? I mean, stop yeah, yeah. in the game. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, you know, we may be 88 years old and can't, you know, can't move, but we're still gonna want. I think we're still gonna want to be doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I have conversations with people that are like, "Oh, I can't wait till I retire at whatever age, and you know, I'll be all retired and getting my," I'm like, "What are you gonna do?" Like, "Oh, I don't know." I'm like, "That sounds awful." <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, you know, I don't necessarily believe that you have to work the same way. But I think that there's something about, like, think about it. It's like, as an entrepreneur, you're always thinking. You're always thinking about it. You're always thinking about, and it may not be that business, but you're always thinking about something. You're problem solving. And I think that is almost like, 
it's almost an addictive way of thinking. Like you're going to be thinking about something. Like you're going to see somebody with a red pair of pants and you're like, um, maybe I could do those better. And then I could sell, you know, it just, it becomes almost like a feverish pace that spirals. So well, it's a young way of thinking too, you know, like I, I mean, I read somewhere like a couple times that they did some studies about retirement and mental age kind of thing. And they found that when people stopped working, they got old, <laughs> you yes. know, and people need yeah. that challenge to just like be engaged in life you know and so yeah I guess that like I like a vacation as much as the next person but I don't know what do you ever change so much as a person just by getting older that you don't want to live the way that you've been living like to, to have the challenges and the stimulation I like I have no idea I'm, I'm too well, let me tell you a funny story my mom has dementia she has mild dementia she just that's she's 81 yeah that's not the funny <laughs> My mom has mild dementia. She's 81. She's been an entrepreneur since she was 27, owning her own businesses in Canada. She grew up in my grandparents' businesses in South America. Even though my mom has dementia, she will call me and say, Arlington, I need you to come and we need to make a list of some jewelry I need that I want you to go pick up for me in New York. And send it because the women that work here at the senior home, they get paid on the 15th and the 30th. So oh, I can get some good silver jewelry. I can get some good silver jewelry and I could sell it. And then that way you won't have I love to pay it. for my my care here. I can wow. work on Mama Ford. That's that's dope. So when you're an entrepreneur, you're always an entrepreneur. And that, yeah. That's my point, Erwin. That's my point. I love someone who never, ever quits working. Honestly, like, I don't, you know, I think, like, we're all kind of figuring it out. But I, I really, really feel like at this point in my life, I'm really kind of figuring it out. Not that I haven't done things, but almost for the first time, if that makes sense. And and <laughs> leveraging certain things. And I'm, I'm like, I'm working it out right now. So I love that story so much that you just are who you are throughout your life. And your talents are your talents. And, and that you don't stop bringing it just because you are old and rapidly aging. <laughs> but this was, you guys, this was such an amazing discussion. And honestly, I think you don't have to be an entrepreneur or even small business minded to get a lot out of it. You know, like everything's a partnership, like relationships are a partnership. Life is about collaboration and hustling and all of that. And like you guys have been really amazing. And I would just love to know your final thoughts before we peace out. How can people reach you? Let's start with Sam. So thanks everyone. This was a really great discussion. I hope we can have more of these. I think it's just, I think it's so valuable. And uh, you can reach me online. My, my business is Kiki's Pet Spa. Uh, Kiki's For now. K -K For now. For now. <laughs> oh, and you can also reach me on my, on my personal website, saranika.com, S-A-R-A-N-A-N-I-K-A.com. So that's Saranika, the, the academic. And then there's Saran, the, the entrepreneur. The owner of Kiki's Best Spa. That's KikiSpetSpa.com. Awesome. Forbes family, you guys. Uh, I'll go for or, Canvas. Okay. I'll go for Canvas. Well, actually, yeah, okay. Um, we are Canvas Malibu plus the Jack, Jack Forbes Gallery plus Canvas Malibu, the retail concept. So Canvas Malibu, you can see us on CanvasMalibu.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Canvas Malibu. And I wanted to say thank you for including us in this conversation. I thought this was a really cool and much needed conversation. I was glad to be a part of it. Yes, and thank yeah. you. I think it was really important for us, even as entrepreneurs, to learn from each other, which I thought was really great as well. And Karen, I, I appreciate your freshness about the conversation because it really added some insight to a lot of things, even how lucky we are to own a business. But um, you can reach us at you can reach the gallery at jackforbesgallery.com. My IG is canvasmalibu underscore Jack, and the gallery is Jack Forbes Gallery IG. And I'm going to do a shameless plug. Um, Arlington and Jackie will be coming on with their own show that's going to be talking about black art. It's going to be the under the, it's going to be under the two black guys with good credit um, podcast right. stream. I like to say when it's coming, but it's coming. We just got to know <laughs> in 2021. We got a lot to talk about. It's uh, like uh, brewing, Sean. It's yeah. brewing in the and pot. If you guys wanted to come quickly, please send us emails and let them know because I think it's going to be an awesome show about black art and yeah. business and so forth. There's far. a so lot going I'm, on. I'm super too. excited. Hopefully, it'll come before the end of this decade. You know, but we're we're waiting anxiously for this show to come up. But it is coming, people. So that's my shameless plug to Jacqueline Arlington uh, Art Show. Yeah, it's called Jack Forbes 
Art Walk. Okay, we got a title now. Ooh, okay, we got a title. <laughs> what, are, what are we gonna have next week? Oh. <laughs> yeah, All right. We have some theme music. All right. Well, 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 that brings this amazing episode of Two Black Guys with Good Credit to a close. We appreciate the the buzz word game. I hope you gleaned some knowledge from this. And we, like Saren said, we should do this again. So we will we will remix this later down the road. But on that note. Uh, I'm going to sign off. I'm one half or one third. The math always changes. I guess we have, I'm one sixth today of two black guys with good credit. I'm Matt Smith. And like I always say, nothing changes if nothing changes. And I'm out. And I'm Karen Margolis, one third or whatever of two black guys with good credit. Thank you guys so much, by the way. That was just so valuable to me personally to sit here and listen to you in person. I think everybody's going to get so much out of it. Really, it's like, you know, these like these gems are. Um, hard to come by, I think, from like, you know, hard earned experience. And I just love listening to you guys. Um, so thank you. Like, honestly, for me personally, I'll speak for me. I really appreciate it. And you guys can hit me up if you want. Karen Margolis on social, K-E-R-E-N-M-A-R-G-O-L-I-S. Check me out. I'm doing a little bit of stand up here and there, not New York, but like I've been on the road a tiny bit. And uh, on TikTok, I'm Karen Kardashian. So if you want to come hang out and see what kind of stuff I do here and kind of borderline quarantine, I would love to see you and send us an email. And we'll see you guys on the next show. And I'm Sean, the better half of two black guys with good credit. And I want to thank my peoples for coming on this show. I thought it was great. I love this Bud show. We got to do it again. And like I say, your money is your money. Keep it in your damn pocket. Please don't forget to send us an email at tbgwgc at gmail.com. And also look out. We're doing a Clubhouse episode, guys. So we'll let you know if you want to come on the show, if you want to be part of our Clubhouse, send us an email. I'll send you an invite to the great party that we're going to be having at the club, in the club. How's that song go with 50 Cent? You can find me in the club. Yeah, the clubhouse. We're doing it. And I'm out. Wow. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.